Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you've found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show on this Saturday, April 25th, 2015. Uh, Thanks for tuning in with us live or through the archives as your time allows. Uh, Phone lines are filling up there. I appreciate it there. uh, But either way, we appreciate you listening and joining us once again right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, uh, Great show this evening, and uh, as we have the pleasure to... um, catch up with our special guest, Kyla Lanier, Deputy Director of the Truckers Against Trafficking Organization, and they are on the web at truckersagainsttrafficking.org. And uh, having Kyla back on the show this evening comes at an important time as well as just last Wednesday we saw the passing of Bill S-178, known as the Justice for Victims of Human Trafficking Act of 2015, uh, passed the Senate by a vote of 99 to 0. And in the last few years, especially from my observation, the uh, the human trafficking crisis, both international and domestic, has seen a uh, much larger scale of awareness and works to combat these crimes against humanity. Donna, do you have the show up there? Yes, I do. You do? Do you have your, your volume down? Turn it up just for a second. Okay, that's all I needed to know. You can turn it back down. Uh, okay. Thank you. Okay, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, passed the vote uh, 99 to 0, and in the last few years, especially from my observation, as I was saying, the human trafficking crisis, both international and domestic, has seen a uh, much larger scale of awareness and, and works to combat these crimes against humanity, and many organizations work daily, I mean 24-7 in fighting this issue, which is a $32 billion worldwide industry as it's noted on a truckersagainsttrafficking.org website, with nearly uh, 21 million people uh, trapped in this, actually enslaved. And on the domestic side, uh, TAT tells us that human trafficking has been reported in all 50 states. So truckersagainsttrafficking.org, it's a non, uh, not-for-profit organization, and one of those that works to educate, raise awareness, and combat trafficking and uh, they've hooked up into the trucking and travel plaza industries, and they continue to uh, expand their efforts and are being recognized for their work and commitment to the cause. And due to these efforts, um, many professional truck drivers and other professionals within the uh, trucking industry have made the call to the National Human Trafficking Resource Center, and as you will hear on our program this evening, have rescued those who were trapped and victimized through to the uh, criminal act of human trafficking. So as our special guest, Kyler will catch us up with uh, what TAT is doing, how they continue to move forward in this cause, and again, we'll hear some stories of rescues 
from truckers and those in the industries. And uh, Donna will have to um, definitely hear about the recent awards that TAT has been recognized with because what the organization has done and continues to do in the future is really making a difference. Yeah, and this was a grassroots uh, effort from, you know, uh, from I believe it was 2008. Is is that correct? Or well, you know, they started with, um, and I'm 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 going to have Kyla tell us about that because you know we had some people ask. Uh, you know, they were originally a part of Chapter 61 Ministries. They went 5013C, I think, in uh, 2011. Um, so, but you know, basically, yeah, they have been doing the work. I think, uh, you know, within since 2008. At when they were with Chapter 61 Ministries. Yeah, so, um, but it's incredible where it is right now, and that's, I, I kind of hope Kyla can get into that, like how it started and where it is right now, which is huge right now. So um, pretty exciting stuff going on. Yeah, it's going to be a great show, important stuff. And listen, our call-in number, 347 826 9170. If you'd like to join in the conversation, just press 1 on your keyboard at any time, and I should see you on the dashboard. So, hey, quick break. Kyla Lanier, Deputy Director of TruckersAgainstTrafficking.org, is our guest, and it's all coming up on Ask the Trucker Live. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. back you know I, I did want to mention just real quick here that truckersagainsttrafficking.org has a great blog where they uh, really keep you up to date on news and stories about human trafficking and the domestic sex trade and all about what's happening around the USA and the world as well as sharing stories about the rescues of victims as well and and you know just 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 a whole lot more and the blog is easy to find right from their home page or directly at truckersagainsttrafficking.org forward slash blog. So uh, anyway, Kyla Lanier is our guest. Kyla, thanks for thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for the invitation. How are you guys? We are good, and I know you're just 
just hopping all over the place. I mean, you're uh, I, I don't know if you're still in Florida. You were you were uh, I guess speaking at the Alabama Trucking Association. You just got a lot of go, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I got back this morning. There were like crazy delays, and I had to spend the night in Dallas because of thunderstorms. So I got home. So life is good. <laughs> well, well, good. Well, look, uh, hadn't talked to you in a while, but we just, you know, we're always following you and seeing all the, you know, the good things that a TAT is doing. And, you know, I guess, um, I guess first of all, Donna had received some emails and we had, you know, heard from some drivers who were, who were just kind of interested and curious about how did TAT come about? How did you... You know, from Chapter 61 Ministries, how did you get into the trucking industry and the travel plaza? And could you just kind of relay that story a little bit for those who just, you know, were, they've been asking that question about, well, how, how sure. did you even get sure. into this? So, Yeah, um, back in 2007, my mom sent my sisters and I the book Not for Sale by David Batstone. And it's just a really good overview book of domestic and global labor and sex trafficking. And she told us to read it. And we all read it, and we were horrified that um, slavery was still alive and well, that it was happening um, both overseas and here. And we just we were like, we have to do something about it. So at that time, we had a conference call, and we started our first 501c3, um, and that was Chapter 61 Ministries. And um, as part of that, um, my mom and I helped start the Oklahoma State Coalition, and then um, another sister put on a big human trafficking awareness conference. She planned it for a year with her neighbor up in Denver, Colorado, and she had Polaris Project, who runs the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline, and Free the Slaves, and um, International Justice Mission, and a lot of big ones were there. And so we all flew up to Denver to attend the conference and to learn from people who have been doing this for a while. And in one of the breakout sessions that I attended, uh, the speaker was talking about training gas station attendants. He thought that was a good idea. That was one of his plans. He wanted to train gas station attendants across the country in the science of human trafficking. And that just made sense to me. Like on a very practical level, I was like, well, gosh, you know, people have to stop for gas. People have to go to the bathroom. That makes sense. So I went out and talked to my mom, and she had been reading the FBI's, um, and those are those big national raids, rescues, where they um, go into multiple venues, including truck stops and rest areas, and rescue people that are being trafficked into prostitution and arresting traffickers, the pimps. And um, there had been girls as young as 13 that were recovered out of truck stops that were being prostituted. And so she said you know who we should get? We should get truckers. She said if truckers knew what this was, that people are not out there most of the time doing this of their own free will, they'll do something about it. Her parents had owned a motel in El Paso when she was growing up, and their main clientele were truck drivers. And she said, you know, most of them are really awesome guys, good family men, and I just know that they'll respond to this message if they know about it. And so that was October of 2008, and we launched TAT as an initiative, originally as an initiative of Chapter 61 in March 2009. And then um, by 2011, all we were doing all the time was work within the industry. And so we banded, we dissolved Chapter 61, and TAT became its own 501c3. 
Yeah, and I, it's just what it's, what it's done is just amazing. So really, I remember talking to you, you know, a few years or so ago. I mean, really, to boil it all down, I mean, y'all saw the y'all saw the truckers and uh, you know the industry out there as uh, I, I mean they they could literally be the eyes for right. uh, you know watching out for this kind of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, we know that the trucking industry are the eyes and ears of our nation's highways, and they are seeing things that other people do not see, and they are in a position that they can make a difference, and they are critical to this fight. And that's what's exciting to see that now that the trucking industry is doing um, just such phenomenal work, people outside of the industry have taken notice. People around this country have taken notice, people in other countries, other governments have taken notice, other industries are taking notice, and they're wanting to know how to replicate that in their own countries or with other areas of transportation or other areas of industry. So the trucking industry is actually being held up a model for other industries looking to combat human trafficking, and that's what's really exciting um, to see that people that just, when they learned about the truth, they wanted to do something and they they did it, you know, and instead of just talking about it, they did it, and that's that's what I can say for the trucking industry. They are driving change in the anti-trafficking movement. They are, they are changing lives. Well, I'm glad you're confirming that because, like I said in the opening, from my point of view anyway, especially in the last couple of years, I mean, I really think that I really see a really major buildup of awareness, not just domestically but internationally too as well. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, the, the bill just passed the Senate. I mean, you, you can Google the news and everything, and there's there's something right. always about something about human trafficking in the news, and I don't remember it being that huge before. Just the last couple of years, it just seems like the awareness has just exploded. Well, even on TV, there's a, a number. Hi, Kyla. This is Donna. How are you? Hi, Donna. <laughs> Um, even on TV, um, I, you know, I watch, you know, when, when I get time to get on the TV, you know, you go looking and you'll see all kinds of on the TV guide scrolling down. There's always something on there about, uh, human trafficking, um, whether it be a documentary or a show. And, and I don't ever remember seeing that much about human trafficking. So uh, what do you think has led to this recent, when I say recent, you know, I'm talking about last year or two, a uh, huge incline of uh, interest in human trafficking? Well, I think that um, a lot of different awareness groups cropped up. Um, you had some high-profile people take on the cause um, many years ago when Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore were still married. Um, they took up GEMS. They are a group out of New York. Rachel Lloyd has been doing work with GEMS for uh, decades and just, you know, phenomenal work with um, women and girls that have been prostituted, empowering them to get out of that life and be leaders. And um, they took up that cause and that sort of brought it into mainstream media. And then you had a lot of big groups that started to get recognized in um, the church. There was um, Lou Giglio down in, I think, Florida. There's a big passion campaign. I might be getting that name wrong, but that has tens of thousands of young people that attend these um, conferences, and his topic for two years in a row was human trafficking. And so you take that and you, you get all these, 
people that become passionate about an issue and then go back to their communities and do awareness events and things of that nature, I think it started to spread. And then you had um, the Coney campaign with invisible children um, that cropped up and that was all over social media several years ago. And I think it's just been a steady buildup. And then the news media started to play and politicians started getting involved in changing legislation. And I also would say the survivor movement, I would say in the last couple of years, survivors through social media have started to connect across the country and across, across the globe to a greater rate than they had been able to prior. And so with more survivors speaking out, and getting involved in legislation and telling their stories, but also advocating for certain legislation and things of that nature, that's been a huge boom because you can't deny the person who has the story and who has the scars and who has the brands on their bodies and who have the criminal records to prove that they were being prostituted as minors and and things like that that, are, that, that have been going on. I think it's just all snowballed into this sort of, this is the hot button topic. This is what people know about. Um, if I say I work for an anti-trafficking org, people immediately are like, oh, sex trafficking? I know a little about that. I wouldn't say people know a lot about it, but I think they all at least know what it sort of looks like. And I think that that's, that's a start. You know, we have to be aware of something in order to know what to do. Go right. Forward. Awareness is always the key on, on everything. Right, right. Uh, or else it's just chit chat chatter somewhere and you know a right. lot of false statements um i i wanted to ask you also um a lot of misconception about the people uh who are being um prostituted how do people get into it i mean there's kidnapping there's runaways um you know what are some of the ways that people are um kind of fooled into this type of uh, bondage. Right. Well, obviously you have your classic kidnapping cases, but I would say that that's a much smaller percentage than what the media likes to play up. Um, I think it's because those victims are easily recognized because it's sort of a clean thing. Kid gets kidnapped out of their home or off the street and then forced into prostitution. There's like, that's that's a victim we all can identify as well. They didn't have any choice. They're a victim. So that does happen, but you have a very much higher risk of with vulnerable populations. And so you look at anybody who is vulnerable, like runaways. Runaways are vulnerable because they're without a home, they're without food, they're without a job, they're without any way to sort of care for themselves, and they they lack social structure. So a trafficker is going to approach a kid like that far more readily than he's going to approach a kid from a a home that has everything taken care of because the runaway is easier to break down because they're already hungry. They're already needing a blanket or a house to live in. And so they're going to approach that vulnerability and meet that need for them. Um, You also have people that are lured by promises of um, fame, modeling contracts, music, careers, um, the opportunity to make fast money. You also have a large percentage of girls that have been, and boys, that have been abused sexually in the home, typically by a family member. They're already um, hurting. They're already um, exploited. They already have 
um, a lack of boundaries with their sexuality because that's been taken away from them. And so there's confusion as to who's sort of in control of their body because it's been violated. And so when a pimp comes in, he's going to sense that vulnerability and he's going to play the dad figure that they haven't had or he's going to play the boyfriend figure. And that's probably the vast majority of our people. Um, They're brought in with, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to love you, I'm going to take care of you. And that's such a need in everybody's life to feel loved and accepted and protected that when you have somebody that has already been abused, that have already been hurt, that has already been exploited, that trafficker is going to take that person that's already hurting and that's who they're going to turn out. So they promise them that love, they promise them that protection, and they might give it to them for quite some time. They might give it to them for several months, even up to a year, where they're grooming them and sort of getting them ready. And then once that girl is like 100% in love and convinced and loyal that this is the guy that's going to take care of them for the rest of their lives, that's when the script just flips and they're turned out as prostituted. And when they don't want to do it, they get beaten, and that's when all of those other elements get introduced into the picture. But there's such emotional control. And, you know, talking to survivors um, from all different realms, the ones that have been brought in through lies of job opportunities or the ones that were brought in through love and, and psychological manipulation and the ones that were straight up kidnapped, they'll all say that some of the hardest ones are the ones that have been brought in through that psychological love protection because you are now having to break down somebody's perception that this is the only person that will take care of me. As abusive as he is, this is the only person that loves me because that's what he's telling her every day, every day, every day. And they start to get convinced of that. So that's how they can get brought in on the sex trafficking end, on labor trafficking. You know, you have people that are either undocumented and then are promised a job, and then once they get to that job, they're forced into slave labor and not paid and not allowed to leave and, and brutalized in that sense. You have other people that are promised um, a good-paying job for their family in another state or in another country. They go, and then they're forced into slave labor there, and their paperwork is taken away, or they're so far away from their family they can't get a call and they can't do anything. And so you have, once again, it's that need. You need a job. You're either mm-hmm. lacking money. You're lacking that support. This is how I'm going to get you in. So where there's vulnerabilities, that's when a trafficker has an easy in. And how many people do you feel in the United States are uh, victims of sex trafficking? Now, I know worldwide it's much, uh, you know, a larger Number, but in the United States, what is the number? Well, the numbers are, you know, difficult to come by, but what the uh, Department of Justice says is between 100,000 and 300,000 children every year are at risk for the commercial um, sex industry in this country. So um, that's not counting the women. You know, I would tell you, and this is going to be bold, and some of your listeners aren't going to like this, but I would tell you as many prostituted women that we have in this country, that's how many trafficking victims we have in this country. Um, I would say it's upwards of 90%. So you see a prostituted person, 90% of them are trafficking victims. They They were trafficked in when they were younger. They want to leave but cannot. They are stuck. So, yeah, you have your 10% that are 
have other viable options, have other things that they could be doing, but this is what they choose to do because they're making money or they think this is a good lifestyle choice. But if you look at the studies and the statistics that have been done, people that have worked with the prostituted population their entire adult uh, research careers, it is 90% that want out and cannot get out. Cannot. And what figure? What figure would you give that? I don't know. I don't know how okay. many prostituted people are out because, I mean, some of it's underground. I mean, you've got parents that are selling their kids from their home, so they're never out on the street. They're never at hotels. They're never anywhere where somebody would necessarily spot them. They are in their bedrooms being sold by their parents. Um, you have uh, people that are being sold online and being brought to the clientele or the clientele coming to um, a particular hotel to purchase that sex act um, or, you know, a vehicle, an RV or a van that they're being sold out of. We had a trucker that said that they were selling girls out of the back of a van on the border um, down in Laredo. And he was just sure that they all wanted to be there because they smiled. And let me assure you, when you got 15 girls packed in the back of a van that the only English they speak is the price list of sex acts, they are being forced. It was men negotiating who the sales were, and they those girls were, were victims. Wow. Okay, well, I, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and then there's, you know, things we want to get to, too. But because of that, I mean, I wanted to mention your blog on your site because I, I learned so much from it. I mean, you just posted, uh, uh, I mean, you have four posts just on April 22nd, a uh, 14-year-old missing high-risk child, Abigail Stickles, uh, Orange County man indicted for human trafficking, Des Moines, Iowa, serves as major hub for human trafficking. And this one particular on your blog, From Dating to Domestic Sex Trafficking, you know, we're an internet we're an internet talk radio show. You know, the internet's a great place, but it's also a dangerous place. I don't know. You know, we 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 have we're almost up to like 350,000 listeners. I mean, I'm sure we have kids that listen stumble on and listen to this show. The internet's a dangerous place. I mean, can you just quickly give us some tips um, for kids? You know, we all know how how much time they spend on the internet. Some internet safety right. tips for kids. Right. Um, number one, don't ever post your location, like where you're at, um, because you're basically just giving a map to yourself. Um, don't uh, put out your private information, your private number or email address or um, anything like that on the internet. Don't friend people you actually don't know face-to-face. You'll have a lot of people that will pose that will friend other friends of yours, and then you think, oh, well, they're a friend of so-and-so, so so I'm going to friend them too. And you can get into a lot of trouble that way because there's people posing as 15-year-old boys or 17-year-old girls that are not that at all, and they're just friending within these high school groups and middle school groups, and then other people are friending based on mutual friends. And nobody's ever met this person. What they're looking for a lot of times are um, there was a 14-year-old that was kidnapped. Um, she made a, a critical error. She put on the Internet that she w- she hated her mom. Um, some lady 
uh, send her a private message on Facebook. Oh, my gosh, I could help you, whatever, whatever. So in the moment of her rage towards her mom, you know, these women's promises sounded really good. She said she'd meet her outside. She was gone in 15 minutes from that wow. message, and she was trafficked for the next uh, year. So you have yeah. those types of things that happen, um, obviously always not that dramatic, but you have that grooming process begin. So if you know the people you're talking to, that's huge. You need to know who you're talking to. And then just be careful about the types of things that you're posting. Don't post pictures <coughs> of yourself that are seductive or, um, you know, partly nude or, or things like that. It's not – when you're putting yourself out there like that, what a trafficker sees is, ah, they're going to be easier to break. They're already comfortable with sexuality. This is going to be somebody that I can turn out. And so that's what right. they're seeing. They're seeing you as a product. They're not seeing you as, oh, you're just the teenager and you're trying to show somebody that you're cute. That's not what they're seeing. They're looking at you and saying, that's a good market value for me. And so it's just not a, a good thing to put out there. And typically, and I'll say this, typically the girls and the boys, but specifically the girls that are putting out those shots, they're so insecure, that's why they're putting out those shots, because they need people to tell them how pretty they are. They need people mm -hmm. to tell them how sexy they are or how desired they are. That's why they're putting those pictures out there in public. That is a red flag for a trafficker to run to that person. That to a mm -hmm. trafficker is awesome, because if they're that insecure, they're going to they're gonna play the game, man, and they're going to tell you everything you want to hear, and they're going to offer you that modeling contract, and they're going to tell you how beautiful you are and that you complete their dreams and things of that nature, and they know that that girl's listening because she's obviously seeking out attention. Right, and uh, let me just say here real quick, uh, I'm just looking at uh, all the listeners online. Hey, thanks for joining us on a Saturday Again, if you uh, if you'd like to join in the conversation, uh, we have Tom here. His hand just came up. But if you'd like to join in the conversation, be sure to press one on your keypad at any time, and uh, I'll see you there. And Tom will grab you here in just a second. Getting back to the uh, the smiling girls on the border of Laredo, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I, I get emails from time to time from, and so does Donna, from drivers and stuff, and it's like you know. I, I see something, and to me, it just seems kind of fishy, and it just doesn't seem right. But what if I call the um, National Human Trafficking Resource Center? You know, make the call, and uh, it, it tur I turn out it, I turn out to be wrong. You know, and it's they, just a family they, having an argument, and you know, they're on vacation. I ruin their day. How, how do you respond to that? What I say is it's okay to be wrong. It's like the Good Samaritan Act. If you saw somebody lying on the road, wouldn't you, I mean, if that were you, wouldn't you want somebody to go over and check on you? I mean, that, that's the thing. You know, and Kevin Kimmel, and I know we'll talk about him later, that's exactly right. what he said. You know, when he saw what he saw, he wasn't sure. And he thought, well, I could do nothing or I could maybe ruin these people's vacations for a day or it could be something else and it turned out to be something else and i think that you know when the when law enforcement shows up if they don't see anything nothing bad's going to happen to you there's no repercussions you did the right thing by calling that tip in 
and they're going to leave, and it's over in 15 minutes. They're not going to stay out there. They've got other calls to take, so it's not going to turn into a full-day investigation. It's going to be like 15 minutes out of their day. Um, But if it is something, you've saved a life. And what I would tell you is, weight in the balance, wouldn't you rather err on the side that you've potentially saved somebody from a life of misery versus, you know, not calling because you were worried about, you know, being wrong? I'd rather be... And and let's... Uh, right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to just okay. say, while we're talking about that, yeah. let's put that hotline number out there right now of uh, 888-373-7888. Uh, because I know probably a lot of people are wondering, what is the number? <laughs> yeah, and that's the, uh, you know, TAT is kind of known for their little slogan, uh, make the call. So when you hear that, that's what they're talking about, one eight 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 three seven three. 7888 and that's the uh that's the national hotline number to the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. And while we're on it, Kyla, let's just uh you know, share one of those success and rescue stories. Kevin Kimmel. Uh that's just yeah. real recent. Yeah, in January he was at a truck stop up in Virginia and he pulled in, it was during the daytime and it was time for his uh rest, and so he pulled into the back lot and he noticed an R V was there and he thought it was weird an RV was packed, parked in the back, especially during daytime. So he, he started looking at the RV and just sort of surveilling it, just, you know, just a cursory glance over, and he noticed that all of the windows were blacked out, black curtains, and he thought that was really weird. So he uh, eats something. He's still just looking at it, like just something's not sitting right with him. So he's watching it a little bit more, and he notices that the driver is going in and out of the truck stop, and then he also notices that, a different guy comes to the door of the RV and knocks on it, and he thinks that's really weird. Well, at that point, another truck pulls in in between him and the RV. So he goes over to the other driver, and he says, hey, can you keep an eye out on that RV? It looks weird to me. I just don't know what it is. The other driver says, yeah, okay, but then pulls his curtains and goes to sleep. So that Kevin, at that point, has a choice to make, and he decides he's going to get out of his truck and just watch the RV a little bit longer because it's just not sitting right. And so as he's watching it, a female uh, woman, a young woman, opens the curtain and looks out, and then she gets jerked back violently. And at that point, he makes the call. And he said, I didn't know if I was just going to ruin, you know, a family's vacation or if – he goes, I didn't know, but I just felt like it just wasn't sitting right with me, and I made the call. They made the call, and law enforcement showed up, and she was a 20-year-old lady who had been kidnapped out of Iowa two weeks prior by a couple, a boyfriend and girlfriend, and they had beaten her and raped her and um, tortured her, burned her with cigarettes and things of that nature. They had not fed her for a week. Um, I guess she had tried to run away, and they, they took nails and jammed them up the bottoms of her feet so that she would it would hurt to run. So they uh, cut up her feet. Um, they hadn't fed her for a week. They hadn't given her anything to drink for a couple of days. They had just branded her with their personal brand tattoo, like cattle, on her back. And then they were selling her on Craigslist, and men were coming to the RV at the truck stop to buy her for sex. And that's what he stopped. She's back at home in Iowa now, and the traffickers are in jail awaiting trial. So that's, you know, an awesome, great story of a call. 
that went right. Um, you know, and he he had the same concerns I think that everybody had. Well, what if it's just a family and it's an argument? What if the young lady's being disobedient? Well, what if, you know, he didn't know. He just knew it didn't sit right. And when I talked to him, because we awarded him our Harriet Tubman Award, when I spoke with him on April 3rd, he said, he goes, we know. We know when something's not right. He goes, we know what's normal and what's not normal. And he goes, we just have to do something. He goes, and it was right. just a call. Yeah, and it was just a call. And, and she it, was she actually was, kidnapped. Yeah, she was kidnapped out of Iowa. Wow. And well, because it's just she amazing. was 20. I mean, oh. mm-hmm. So, well, because she was 20, the traffickers were just having her call home at knife point and telling her parents that she was on a road trip with friends. And so they hadn't reported her missing because she's an adult and she's apparently on a road trip with friends. So nobody knew that she was being hurt. Unbelievable. I mean, it goes far beyond trafficking. I mean, they're just just evil. Well, well, tell us what the Harriet Tubman Award, tell us about that. We um, started a Harriet Tubman Award. Um, It comes with a $2,500 financial reward um, as well as the honor of being that year's recipient for a member of the trucking industry that helps to prevent or thwart human trafficking. And obviously Kevin Kevin Kimmel did that in extraordinary measures. Um, And so he was awarded our 2015 Harriet Tubman Award um, for his his act that saved that young lady's life. And uh, I'm just who is Harriet Tubman? She was a former slave um, who ran okay. the Underground Railroad. She freed multiple slaves, and we thought with the connection to the concept of transportation, I mean, she helped transport slaves to freedom in the North, okay. um, that it was sort of the perfect tie-in to the transportation industry today. Okay, I, I should have just looked that up because that name was so familiar. But I'm going. I will. And anyway, yeah, I'll grab Tom here in a second, and then well, I'll, I'll grab Tom here, and and then I want to get on to the freedom. Um, where is this at? The Freedom Drivers Project. That's something I want to talk about. Your coalition and the Suzanne McDaniel. I've got a lot to go to here, but hey, let's grab Tom here. And uh, hey, Tom, thanks for holding. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alan, Donna, thank you for having me. Kyla, it's good to talk to you. This is Tom from Protest Athletic. We've talked once or twice on the uh, on the phone, so it's wonderful to be able to talk to you again tonight. Hi. Uh, the, the, the one thing you just said there that actually kind of made me think of something, because I have a couple of friends that actually do this. If they're out on a trip, they have a code, and, and it's actually rather odd. If they call home, they'll say to check in with family, and they say they're doing great. Or they're doing good. The family family knows they're doing that something's wrong because if everything's fine, says, "Oh, this is a lousy trip." Uh, and it's something that a lot of people don't think about, but it's just something that they came up with. That you know, I remember, you know, let's say I went way on a business trip or whatever, and something is wrong. I'm going to tell you everything is fine. If everything's fine, I'm going to tell you it's lousy. And right. that that's a that that is just something simple that if people are listening. You know, that you can encourage your kids to do, you know, hey, tell me, if everything's great, tell me it's lousy. But if there is something really wrong, tell me it's going great or you're having fun or something that seems normal, and then we'll know there's something wrong. Uh, 
And you know, Tom, I did that. I did that with my kids growing up. It's exactly what we did. There, there was a code word. And, uh, you know, if, if I was at work and, you know, they were home and they weren't like little, I mean, they were, you know, they were like 10, 11, 12. And, uh, if, if, if something happened, then that was the code. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, you, could, you could do that really good. I mean, that's really a good idea. I mean, let's say the, you know, Kyla, let's say the, you know, the the people you know they don't have a dog or the, or they have a dog you know let's say the dog's name is is uh, Sam you know a, a, a code phrase could be um, uh, you know how did 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 Sam make it is Sam okay at the vet you know or something like that and then they would immediately know something's wrong but the captors right. wouldn't right wow okay well thanks Tom um, I'll, anything I'll, else Tom yeah, I, actually, I had a couple of real questions that I wanted to get yeah, a response on. Uh, the, the first thing is you've heard from years from several of the, the former prostitutes who are pro-legalized prostitution. They're saying that one of the best ways to combat you know, trafficking is by legalizing prostitution. I know I've read some of the things that you've said, a couple of things you hear tonight. You, you obviously have a totally different opinion on that. You know, could you explain a little bit more on your viewpoint on that? Right. Um, the legalization of prostitution, I mean, people say that and they say, oh, that's just an easy fix, then you would just know when it is um, somebody that doesn't want to be there. But when you look at the cases around the, the world that have legalized prostitution, um, most famously Amsterdam, Amsterdam legalized it in the red light district with the explicit purposes of ending organized crime, ending human trafficking, and providing more protection for those who were choosing to be uh, in prostitution. That has not happened. The mayor of Amsterdam called it a colossal fail. They have increased human trafficking, they have increased organized crime, and they have not increased the protection of those choosing to be in prostitution. The vast majority of those prostituted in Amsterdam are actually foreigners who are not supposed to legally be there. When you legalize prostitution, you are simply legalizing traffickers and buyers. You are not helping the females. You are, you are not helping the women. And so you are not helping the people that you say you're out there to help. And what you also do just from a, a simple standpoint, there's a lot of men that will not buy commercial sex because it's illegal. Now, if you make it legal, you're normalizing the purchasing of prostitution. You're normalizing the purchase of commercial sex. So what's going to start to happen is when it's normal and when it's legal, it's going to become like a normal pastime. And what happens in areas where they've legalized prostitution, including in those areas in Nevada where they've legalized prostitution, demand for prostituted people has risen. So you increase demand in those areas. And I'm sorry to let down the male ego. Women are not lining up to be prostituted. They are not lining up. That is not a career option for most women. That is not what they want to do. And so when you increase demand, there's always going to be somebody that's going to meet that demand with the supply. And those are your traffickers. And those are the people that are going to force others into this profession, into this oppression, um, in order to meet that demand. So all you are doing is, once again, you're increasing the demand for it, 
and you are legalizing it for the traffickers to come in and you are legalizing it for the buyers to exploit people. And I just, you know, on a on a basic level, prostitution is a power imbalance. You have men who have typically had more power than women around the world. That's who they're buying. Men buy women. You have people with disposable income buying people without disposable income. You have people who have more formal education purchasing those with less formal education. You have people with a political voice buying people who have less of a political voice. It it is a power imbalance, and I don't think that we put our stamp of approval on that and say, okay, we'll just legalize it and it'll take care of all the problems. That has not been the case. Statistically, legally, that has not been the case. And, again, when you increase demand, you're not increasing supply. You are bringing in an enslaved supply population to meet that demand, and that is never a good situation, and that does increase that And it, that totally, makes sense. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. If that's legalized, I'd say, you know, well, we've just gone to pot. Totally agree. Go ahead, Don. Oh, no, I was just going to say, logically, when, I mean, it's just logic, in your yeah. mind, you know, you're giving you're giving the bad guys a license to be bad is really, you know, to put it very very simply. Um, exactly. Right, because the police <laughs> stop controlling it. The police stop looking at it because it's like, oh, well, that's just legal. That's like going to a movie on a Friday night. So they stop patrolling. Right. Right. Okay, Tom. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I do have one more question. First of all, th- thank you for that, Kyla, because that that is one of the most logical and rational arguments I've heard yet against pros- legalized prostitution. That makes the most sense. So st- uh, definitely, thank you very much for that. I do appreciate it. The, the the last question that I have is: you're hearing a fair amount about these various games, whether it's girls or guys playing, where whether it's various types of sex acts with each other or you know, various things of that nature. I think there was also a recent documentary, and I apologize for not remembering the name of it before that I heard, where basically these parents are doing such hands-off parenting. I mean, their 13, 14, 12, 13, 14-year-old daughters are walking out in clothes that would probably embarrass you know, a 20 to 30-year-old prostitute who's doing it willingly. Uh, and they're letting their daughters go out in public like that on dates, et cetera. Do you think these acts, both by these hands-off parents, but also by these kids with these uh, dares or games or whatever you want to call it, are also contributing to the human trafficking? Yeah, I I mean, I believe that we live in a hypersexualized society. I mean, we have objectified girls down to elementary school age. I know that there was a store, and I'm not going to name the name, but there was a store that was selling children's underwear, girls' panties, that said eye candy and things like that on the panties. And these were underwear for five- and six-year-old and seven-year-old girls. Um, you have this, We, I mean, turn on the television. Turn on the television, you see Victoria's Secret ads in prime time where that did not used to be. You have um, television shows where people are walking around almost naked. The sex acts that are being shown on primetime television are much more graphic than what we grew up with. Um, And that's going to spill over. You look at the magazines, you see the internet, the proliferation of internet porn. Um, They say the average age that boys start looking at porn and even girls is 11 years old because of the access to it on the internet. So you're seeing all of this nudity, all of these aggressive sex acts, all of this objectification of women 
we put up people as celebrities like the Kardashians who are all about how sexy they are, how beautiful they are, what they have, what they look like. And then we are shocked when our kids are emulating that at parties or when girls' major focus is to be desired by boys or to be the sexiest one or to be, you know, the most beautiful. And parents, unfortunately, fall into the same trap because, You have some parents that want their kids to be popular, so if that's what will make you popular, then go and wear that, and that's okay. You have parents that are struggling with that. You know, when you have women in the in you know my age group that are more concerned with getting rid of some of their wrinkles and making their breast size larger than into you know how they're impacting their children or how they're impacting the world or you know what they're doing with their lives, and they're more in tune with what their appearance is. And I'm not knocking people taking care of themselves, I'm simply saying when there's that focus is there, when the idea is that our worth comes from our appearance, I think what you end up getting into is you're buying into this lie that's being thrown at us from every magazine, from every part of the Internet, from television, from movies, and that is our value is our sexuality. Our value is how sexy and desired we are. And that all plays in and unfortunately has definitely trickled down to our youth. And all of that plays in because it's all part of the commercial sex industry. It's just a priority. The priorities of people's, uh, uh, you know, what's important in life have changed drastically. I mean, I've seen it, you know, from when I was growing up. And it, it, it it's just, you know, amazing. Um, it's It's more of a me, me society. And sadly, even ahead of their own children many, many times. Um, You know, obviously there's wonderful parents and many of them, thank God, um, in the country. But it's almost now, from what I see, acceptable to be more uh, focused on yourself and, well, you know, you have to be happy before, you know, you can make anybody else happy, that type of uh, mentality. So the word sacrifice, and that's a huge word as a parent. Um, you, you sacrifice pretty much your life, you know, whether it be teaching your kids or uh, providing or anything like that. And that's no longer, or at least to me, it doesn't seem to be as much as uh, a priority as it used to be. I mean, do you see that? I mean, am I, you know, it's just, of course, my my thoughts on it, but uh, that's what it sounds like to me anyway. I well, what I, I mean, see I is... Just, go oh, ahead, Carla. Oh, no, I was just going to say, was, well, uh, I mean, I <laughs> there's that little delay that's catching us there. Go ahead, Carla, yeah. and I'll, I'll, I'll say what I was going to say. I was just going to say, I mean, I just think that our focus has shifted, and it's just unfortunate to see. And there are wonderful people out there. And we all, and I would say parents a lot of times, well, I think what we have to do is, like, be aggressive in our parenting to counteract those lies because those lies are insidious, and it's, it's coming from every single angle. And we have to, like, be out in front of our kids saying, yeah, you're beautiful, and that's great. But what about how kind you are and how smart you are and what are the right. goals you're setting for yourself? And I and it's aggressive and it's constant because just as constant as everything they're seeing needs to be our voice helping to teach them, you know, 
it's okay to be beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to be desired. There's nothing wrong with that. But it can't be your whole world. And unfortunately, right. I think the media has just made it our whole world. That's all. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. has. And I was just going to say, you know, as far as my generation, uh, you know, we've just kind of watched the downfall of morals and ethics in this country. But on the other side, on the flip side of that, and, hey, Tom, thanks. Really appreciate it. Tom Kirk of RoadTestedLiving.com. But on the other side of that, Kyla, is organizations like Truckers Against Trafficking that continue with the awareness and, and, you know, and helping, you know, crisis such as this. And I really wanted to get to the uh, – uh, I think this is a great project you got going, and very important for people to hear and know, the, the Freedom Drivers Project. I was on the site reading about that, it's the mobile exhibit. Tell us about that. I think it's, I think it's great. It is our um, anti-trafficking museum. Um, It goes around the country to major trucking events. We'll have it in uh, Dallas, Texas at the Act Expo, May 4th through 7th. Um, That that will be our next gig with it. It's in Colorado right now, although I think their gig is over today. But um, basically, we take it to trucking uh, venues as well as some other large anti-trafficking events events and it helps people understand what domestic sex trafficking looks like here in the United States, how people get in, the push and pull factors and we tell those stories through survivor artifacts and a little bit about their story. So um, how they get lured in, what happens to them once they're in and things of that nature. So you'll actually get to look at um, artifacts, shoes and lipstick and mirrors and um, a dog tag from a legal brothel in Nevada where a woman was sold by her pimp and the house in Vegas, oh, not Vegas, but in Nevada it took 40% and her pimp took 60%. So, again, for that legalization piece, all you did was made it safe for the trafficker, not for the not for the prostituted woman. Um <laughs> And then on the other side of the truck, you get to see how the trucking industry is combating it and how you intersect, how the average citizen intersects with sex trafficking and what they can do, you know, simple steps they can take in their home, at their job, in their community to really make an impact and make a difference in that. So it's sort of like walking you through it. Here's the problem. Here's how one industry is taking this on. And then what can you do and how can you get involved as well? And so it is a full circle, very moving exhibit, and uh, we just hope to get it to a lot of venues all around the United States so that more and more people can experience that and also see how the trucking industry is playing such a critical role. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. The, the Freedom Drivers Project, the link's up on the uh, the show page, too, as well as, of course, directly from truckersagainsttrafficking.org. And um, the... Um, where was I going here? The the um, I, I know when y'all first started, uh, you know y'all were you know do, just doing a lot of work and trying to get everything kicked off. In the short time that I, I mean, in literally kind of you know in the I say the short time you kind of been around since 2008, but relatively short. The coalition, your supporters, the coalition for truckers against trafficking, has really. I mean, Accumulated has really built up. I mean, you've got a lot of coalition and supporters behind you, right? I was going to let you fill us in on that a little bit. How's that all going? 
Yeah, we have just amazing support from um, state trucking associations. We have about 80% of the state signed up um, as partners with Truckers Against Trafficking, and, you know, they are pushing their member companies to train their drivers as well as to register as being cat trained on our website. Um, we have great, incredible support from the ATA, NATSO, TCA, um, just Fantastic, and OIDA, sorry, missed that, and they're they're amazing. Um, they were all, they actually came when we were awarded this annual memorial award earlier this week um, up in D.C. They had representatives from all of their organizations come out um, because that was an award not for Candace or me. That was an award for the trucking industry. This was recognizing what the trucking industry is doing to combat human trafficking, and they were all able to come out and, um, take pictures with the driver that we sent up to accept the award, and um, it's just a really cool thing. And then, of course, just on the grassroots level, the thousands upon thousands of drivers who, you know, they'll send us private messages or email us and say, I'm with you, we got your back out here, you know, how can I help, I want to get involved, I want to do more, you know, I'm going to make that call, I'm watching for it. And that's just amazing because that's like an army that is out there fighting this. And it's just been incredible to see the support. It's been incredible to have, you know, conversations with people about these dip deeper issues like legalization of prostitution or about objectification in our society and what's become normal. And just seeing all of those ties to it and seeing that depth of understanding grow, because I think that the more you understand it, the more fierce of a fighter you're going to be for the right cause. And it's the trucking industry has just been amazing. Well, it has. And, you know, that's, you know, it's kudos to truck drivers and the industry because, you know, you, you just mentioned the Suzanne McDaniel Memorial Award for public awareness. Uh, you, you guys received that award on the same day that the, uh, the Senate bill passed. And, uh, you know, also, the you know the the freedom drivers project again you know you're talking about the truckers and you know so many people in the industry that's coming on board and everything on here i get you know we should mention uh you know trucker bill brady now he's the guy who drives the freedom Dri drivers project uh exhibit around the country is that right well, he's not our full-time employee. He actually works for Lodestar, but we hire bill as much as we can um to get to get the Freedom Drivers Project around. Yeah, Bill's fantastic. And he and, accepted that award. Yeah, he went up to, we sent him to D.C. to accept that award on behalf of Truckers Against Trafficking. He's great. He is highly committed to um, the cause and just humble and, you know, just, you know, Lodestar, he can, I know he can make a lot more money hauling for Lodestar than he can for Truckers Against Trafficking, and whenever he can, mm -hmm. He takes the job to get us where we need to go and to help people tour the Freedom Drivers Project. And, you know, he goes beyond just hauling it. He gives people tours. He tells them about human trafficking. He passes out wallet cards. And that's just, I mean, he's fantastic. He's like a curator for our museum. So um, we love Bill. And that's that's very inspirational. Um, and, you know, I hope a, a lot of uh, truckers hear that because, a lot of times, you know, people don't know how to get involved. And mm -hmm. 
there there's an example. I mean, which leads me to my next question. Here's a guy that's really, you know, putting his own life uh, aside to some degree. I mean, he still drives for a living because, he, you know, he has to make a living. However, you know, he's taken the step to do something, um, his heart's conviction. So how can those who are listening right now, if they want to, you know, not just um, have the hotline number and make sure they keep that, which is important in itself. I mean, that's huge. If everybody had that number and was looking, there'd be, you know, hundreds of people rescued. But what about those tonight that are listening? And, of course, you know, we get thousands of archived listens of the show who, you know, want to, what can I do even more than that? What do you tell them? Well, I mean, if they want to volunteer specifically for TAT, they can send an email to tat.truckers, with an S, at gmail.com and ask about that, and we can put them in touch with our volunteer coordinator and give them some different options there. But what I would say is start at home. You know, as I was mentioning earlier in the show, traffickers look for vulnerabilities. They look for areas where people are hurting, and then they step in and meet those needs. And if just imagine if it wasn't traffickers stepping in and meeting those needs, but instead good people with no agenda or angle stepping in. So practical things that you can do. Donate good food, good healthy food to your local food bank. Um, you have service providers in your community. Donate food, stock up so that those people have them. If you've got an organization that works with um, kids on the street, youth on the street, donate to them either money, time, food, blankets, things of that nature. Because once again, when those people are the ones stepping in to meet the needs and meet the vulnerabilities, then the trafficker loses out and they lose that foothold. Um, Mentor kids in your community. If you've got a chance, a church organization or a tutoring program or Big Brothers Big Sisters, get involved with something like that because, again, These are at-risk people. These are at-risk communities, and you're stepping in and you're providing a good role model. You're providing time and love and attention, and they're not going to have to seek that from somebody else because they're getting it from a good person. Um, So those would be practical things that I would say. Um, I would also talk more about um, that. Confront those ideas. Confront those. When people are using the terms lot lizard and recreational reptile or calling them all prostitutes or whores or whatever, You know, have those conversations, and I recognize it can be a little uncomfortable, but if you just stand up and say, well, you know, a lot of times they're forced into it, it gives people pause. Like, they don't really know where to go with that, but at least it shuts them down from making jokes at these people's expense, because all those jokes and all those names, it just dehumanizes the victim. It just dehumanizes the people out there, and you don't help somebody that you don't view as a human. You don't People don't tend to help people they view as lesser. They help people they view as someone like them. And so it's important to put them on our level and say, they are the same as me. This could be me. This could be my child. This could be my sister or my aunt and see them that way. So just making those changes, you know, when you're talking to people or, or really pointing out differences. And then, you know, I would say also, Learn more about human trafficking. Follow us on Facebook if you don't already. Read the stories that are out there. As Alan said, I put most of the stuff from Facebook onto um, the blog as well. So 
you know, learn more about what's happening all around and see what you can do and then and then just get involved. And there are local um, awareness groups, anti-trafficking coalitions in every state. Um, they're not in every major city, but they definitely are in every state. So look into the ones in your state and see how you can get involved there, um, whether you're in the trucking industry or not. Um, there's plenty of opportunities that you can get involved in um, either street outreach or um, awareness programs, uh, preventive prevention programs, um, et cetera. Well, and also, and our time's kind of winding down, but I do want to touch it real quick, Kyla, because TAT does offer so much information and, and training. Uh, I mean, you have a video training. Uh, I believe you have your you you have a new video training coming up. You have a, you I think you offer a, or will be offering online training. Tell us about that real quick as we kind of wind it down here. Yeah, we because Cat video came out in 2011 and we've grown so much and the support has grown so much we feel like we need to move past the problem and get to you know practical solutions and things to do and so we have developed a phase two video that will be coming out at the end of april it's already in production and so we'll have it stocked pretty soon and it'll all go up on the website as soon as we have it in stock um, and then we've been working on an online portal that will be a deeper training. So beyond the video, if you want to learn even more, and there will be a, a labor trafficking module as well as a more in-depth on sex trafficking and, like, scenarios. It's interactive. Like, you would have questions based on scenarios. Well, what would you do or what are indicators of it? Um, that's going to take you at a deeper level. And we originally thought that might come out at the end of April, but it's looking more like mid-May for the online portal. But the video will be out. Um, very soon, and we're really excited about phase two. It's just, once again, a deeper, cleaner tool um, that we can use going forward to help train the trucking industry and anybody outside that is interested. And anybody can purchase those um, videos, and does it have to be an organization? Who's, who is it for? Well, is it, who the can... trucking industry, our videos are for the trucking industry, and so they're free to the trucking industry. And then anybody else can watch it online. We'll have it online as soon as we have it stocked in the warehouse. We will uh, take off our old video, and it will be available online. So any organization could just pop up the Internet, and boom, it's right there. Um, and then any trucking company that wants the video would obviously get that from us. So um, we are still okay. trafficking. We are still trucking industry specific. Okay. All right. Well, that's just that's great. Truckersagainsttrafficking.org, the uh, National Human Trafficking Resource Center. Make the call. You have a you have a, a easy way of remembering that that toll free number. What what was that way again? Yeah. It's 888, little pattern there, so 3737 oh, yeah. 38. So 888-3737-888. Yeah, okay. Just, I got it right in front of me. I still couldn't get it. So. Just, just programming <laughs> in your phone while you're out there. Um, you know, everybody's got a smartphone or any kind of phone out there, and just uh, and then the stickers. How can now? How can they get some of those? Um, and wallet cards. And wallet cards and things like that. What's the best way? For window decals and wallet cards, they can send an email to cat.truckers at gmail.com. They just need to include their mailing address and what they want in the email, and we'll get it out to them. 
Okay. okay. Well, hey, Kyla, I, I really appreciate you spending some I – I mean, I know you've just been running around like crazy and taking a little time with us here on Saturday, but it was good to catch up with you. Great work. We watch you all the time and follow you, and thanks again. And one of these days we're going to hook up and have that dinner I promised you four years ago. I know. It's been a long time, <laughs> Ellen. I know. got to get together. <laughs> hey, we will. Hey, thanks again, and I really appreciate it, and stay in touch. We will. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank, thank you, uh-huh. Kyla. Mm-hmm. You too. Uh, Kyla Lanier, uh, Deputy uh, Director of TruckersAgainstTrafficking.org, doing great site. Hey, we'll take a quick break and uh, wrap it up here on Ask the Trucker Live, so hang with us. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. Hey, we're back. Donna, do you have any uh, anything to share this evening? Before I, sh- we I sure do, Alan. Um, I just want to uh, tell everybody, if you haven't noticed, that our new trucking social media website, uh, the redesign that we've been kind of building up and sharing with everybody on social media, is complete. And uh, basically, um, it's it's a website that allows people to share their message, their quality product, their quality service, um, and now it's it's adding videos. So if you go to truckingsocialmedia.com and click on the videos, you'll see the different categories. Uh, they're broken down right now into advocacy, uh, health, uh, industry tips, safety. Then we have our, our sponsors, entertainment, the events, and even testimonials. So uh, what we're what we're doing is a lot of people are sending in their videos, uh, a lot of advocacy. Um, we're looking for some more health videos, and uh, rather than us, you know, search the internet, others are are 
submitting the videos to us through the page site, and you, all you do is hit submit video on truckingsocialmedia.com. And if you have a, a, a message you want to share with everybody through video, um, we're, we'll take a look at it and then we'll post it. And, of course, that includes a link to either your, your Facebook page or your website or something like that. Uh, the other thing is we still have the resource page, which is a page of free information of websites, which includes um, uh, government. Here, I'm going to click on it right now so I can tell you the breakdown of that. And if you know a website that, that you want to post on this page, uh, there's government sites, advocacy groups, social media sites, trucking cooking, trucking health, truckers helping truckers, trucking regulations, um, associations, forums, directories, uh, websites and blogs. This is all free information. We have charities and nonprofits. So take a look at the resource page. It's really packed with um, information. And uh, really, we're just thrilled over the new website. So just go to truckingsocialmedia.com. Take your time. Look around. Read what it's about. Tremendous resource for the trucking industry and to get your message shared by thousands uh, on the Internet. So that's truckingsocialmedia.com. Uh, I guess tonight after the show, Alan and I are going to be heading back down to Wildwood at the Chrome Shop uh, Pride and Polish show. They're going to have the the light show tonight down there. I don't know if anybody's listening that's that's in the area down in Wildwood, Florida, but hopefully we'll have some more videos. Um, we just posted a, a bunch of videos up on the Trucking Social Media website under the events category, and there's probably a, another three or four ready to go up, uh, probably maybe not until tomorrow night that all of them will be complete with all the editing and everything. But that's where we're heading right now. Um, after the show, we're going to go down there and and uh, and and see everybody. It was, it's really a nice show. We really enjoyed it. Oh well, you just cut it off right there, huh? <laughs> oh, okay. It's a, back to you, Alan. I know. I I ended and then I turned around and looked at him like, <laughs> okay, your turn. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, everybody listening on the line, appreciate you tuning in and sharing some of your time with us this Saturday. And uh, special thanks to Kyla Lanier of TruckersAgainstTrafficking.org. Great organization, great work. Be sure to check it out and and a lot of great information and and training and all kinds of things on their website. Uh, check it out, see how you can help. And if you see anything suspicious, just doesn't just doesn't feel right. Kind of like some of the things we spoke here on the show. Uh, make the call. You know, truckers against trafficking. You know, they're always saying make the call. Uh, that is the call to the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. Easy hotline number to remember, as Kyla said, just remember 888-3737-888. That'll get you to the NHTRC. And um, uh, lives are being saved, and people have been rescued by truckers and many out there who have made the call to the National Human Trafficking Resource Center, 888-3737-888. Thanks again. We appreciate it, and we will catch you next time. On, uh, Ask the Trucker Live. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins.
Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.